Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently, with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today I want to chat about something you might be missing in your growth strategy for your business. And that is the culture of your small business. Now, I know a lot of entrepreneurs went into business to escape a really toxic corporate culture that didn't feel right to them. If that was you, here's the question. How are you intentionally designing and creating and nurturing the culture you want to see in your business? So I want to dive into why this is so important, why I think you need to be thinking about it sooner rather than later. And then I'm going to illustrate it with an example. So one of the first things we learn as new entrepreneurs is that there's nothing really new in the world, right? Think back to when you were a brand new baby entrepreneur and you had that first moment of seeing somebody else selling the same thing as you, or if not identical, like incredibly similar. And you have that moment of like, why would anyone hire me? What advice would you now as an experienced entrepreneur give to newbie you? I'm guessing that you would tell newbie you, don't worry, it's not about what you do, it's the way that you do it. You are your own unique selling proposition. You will attract the right people who want whatever service or offer or course or program, and that's great when it's just you. If you are your own unique selling proposition, you are your own competitive advantage, how do you make sure you keep that competitive advantage as you grow your business by growing your team. Your customer having an incredible customer experience from you is a competitive advantage. But to harness that competitive advantage, you need to create the right environment for your team to provide that same level of service to your customers. This is why company culture or your business's culture is so critical to growth in your business. Your culture can't swing as you have a good week or a bad week or a productive week, or a difficult week. It can't shift with your mood. It's too important for that. I want to drop a couple of stats on you because I think sometimes that really helps to like hammer it home. First of all, let's talk about the impact on your current team, and I'm pulling these stats from Gallup. We know that engaged employees are 20% more productive. Engaged teams generate 21% more profit than teams that aren't engaged. And happy employees create three times the revenue. So what is that first domino that creates the engaged employee that gets you the more productivity, the more profit, the three times the revenue? It's your company culture. It's how you design that culture around your team. I want you to understand how important culture has become in an employee or team member's decision making. A recent study showed that 72% of employees say that a strong culture would make them more likely to stay. We talk a lot about how it's makes a lot more sense to retain your customers, right? Rather than trying to find a new customer, it's more cost effective, it's more time and energy effective. Now think about how much time and energy and money goes into recruiting, onboarding, and getting a new team member up to speed. Focusing on your culture can really help you with that team retention. The other piece to think about, and you might not be hiring right now, But if you're a growing business, eventually you're going to have to. This is important for you to listen to. These days, we don't just compete for our customers. We're competing for our team members. 
people with those great skills that you really, really want on your team could be being wooed by corporates with much bigger budgets or other businesses in similar areas, right? You are competing to get those team members that you want to help you grow your business. So a recent study showed that 78% of employees said that company culture was a key factor in their job search. So having that great culture is going to make your recruitment easier, faster, more effective, and therefore lower cost as well. And I know that you might be listening to this thinking, yeah, but my team's great. We're all bonded. We all get on really well. Everyone loves each other. We work really well together. That's great. How are you maintaining that? So when we talk about culture, there's a few different angles you can come from. You can be like, the culture is not what I want, and I want it to be something different. Or it can be, I love the culture and I want to make sure we maintain it. And both of those require you to know what goes into it. So I want to walk you through an example of culture so that you can kind of cement in your head what I'm talking about. And I'm sure you're expecting me to say Google here, but no, I love to talk about culture from the viewpoint of Girl World. Now, if you're unfamiliar, Girl World is from the movie Mean Girls, where Katie, a teenage girl, comes from Africa where she's only been homeschooled and goes to a typical American high school for the first time in her life. And she encounters Girl World, where the primary goal or mission is to be pretty and popular and powerful. And it doesn't really matter what it takes for you to get there. Girl World comes with its own rules, right? The iconic on Wednesdays we wear pink line is only one of the rules. There's the rules about what clothes you can wear and how you can wear your hair and whether you can date your friend's ex-boyfriend. It comes with both outspoken, line-in-the-sand rules and socially acceptable rules. But if you break those rules, there will be consequences. What was the consequence of not wearing pink or wearing sweats too often or wearing your hair in a ponytail more than one day a week? You can't sit with us break our rules and you will be excluded. Also in Girl World, decisions were made as a unit. There was no free thought. It was group think, group approval before any action was taken, whether that meant shopping for a skirt or who you dated or, heaven forbid, whether you were in mathletes. So Katie has come into this completely foreign world and she's being educated on the rules of succeeding in Girl World, but then also picking up those kind of intrinsic behaviors on how you can communicate. I mean, is fetch really a word? She's being indoctrinated into the rituals, like the Jingle Bell Rock scene where, honestly, the slightly inappropriate dance is being done for all of the school and the parents while the cool mom dances along. And should you do anything wrong, you can expect to receive feedback. Your name will go into the burn book with details of your crime. And the reason I love to use Mean Girls as an example, is because I think it removes any kind of aspirational, like, oh, I want to be the next Google or the next Netflix or whatever, and brings it back to those core principles where you can really see the person who came in at the beginning, Katie, who came from Africa, to the Katie who is dressing, talking, acting like one of the mean girls, after being indoctrinated into girl world culture, are two very different people. That is the power that culture holds for you. Now, I'm not suggesting you emulate the culture of girl world in any way, shape, or form, but there is another reason why I like to use it as an example. So girl world exists within this high school. 
if we think about who should be in charge in that high school, it's the principal. But he is so hands-off, he is so resigned to not being able to change anything that the mean girls have taken over. Regina George is setting the culture for that for that school. So what I want you to take away from this is if you do not intentionally design, implement, and maintain the culture you want in your organization, somebody else will. And that somebody else is usually the loudest and most dominant personality in your team. And that culture may not be what you want it to be. So I want you to take a step back and ask yourself, is my business culture, is my team culture, is my employee culture, is my company culture where I want it to be? If yes, you need to think about how can you maintain that. If no, you need to think about what's going to drive it to in the direction of where I want it to go. Now, there are so many moving parts to creating that culture and maintaining that culture that it can be overwhelming to understand where to start. So I've created a mini podcast. It's 30 minutes, 15 if you listen on 2x like me. It's called The Culture Kickstart. You can find it at diamere.com forward slash culture. I'll link it in the show notes as well. And it's just a 30-minute walk through what exactly is culture, what's the best business culture that you can build, how is culture formed, how does it change over time, what types of culture can you create. And we're going to go through some good and not so good business culture examples. So again, you can find that at diamere.com forward slash culture. I'll link it in the show notes as well. In the meantime, if you take only one thing away from this conversation, I want it to be that your company culture has a direct impact on the people who have a direct impact on your business. Your team are delivering your business results. Your team are interacting with your customers. Your team are supporting you. Your company culture has a direct impact on your ability to grow. It's too important to leave up to how you feel that particular week the workload that your team is experiencing, or any other external factors. You, as the CEO, need to design, implement, cultivate that culture in order to grow your business. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.